The scripture this morning is going to be out of Romans 13, 8 through 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daylight time, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Well, good morning. We had a just incredible time of life together as staff and elders uh, on a staff and elder retreat up in New Meadows. And I got to tell you, just as one guy on this uh, pastoral staff and on the elder council, uh, man, we are rich. Uh, we are rich in, in just the, uh, the joy of the leaders of this church. Uh, they're good people, and truly, and I can say that unabashedly, that uh, we have a good staff, good elders who are seeking out the heart of God. I just want you guys to know that, and we are. We're praying for you. There's a, we, we spend a lot of time in prayer just over this church, but a lot of times loving each other and really wanting to do that. And uh, I'm just amazed at what God's done. I've been here 18 years now, and I go, Wow. God has blessed us with uh, just amazing elders, the staff who just longs to shepherd you well with the leadership of the elders. So it was sweet, just a sweet time. So I know many of you were praying for us. And as I was studying the scriptures about loving one another, I'm just like, wow, this is, uh, this is what it's about. You know, digging into each other's lives, letting God's love uh, flow out through us and uh, our desires as elders and pastors is truly uh, to, as God is loving through us, that we would love you guys well. So, just again, thanks for your prayers. It was a sweet time uh, in the Lord. And that's the question that I want us to be thinking about this morning is, the scripture that we uh, just looked at is, listen, the time is now, daylight has come. As the sun beamed through your windows this morning, you knew it was time to get up. And in light of that, the, the question, the biggest question to me that, that God's just been doing in my life, and I think he's trying to pass on to us as a body, is as God has recognized and has shown us, uh, as he has revealed to us that the, we live in the last days, the time between when Christ has risen again and the time when he will come back. That's the last days which is now, is what in the world are we doing with our lives? Not only how is God growing us up 
How are we becoming more like Him? But as He's doing that, in these last days, what are we doing to live out the life of Christ in the lives of others? That they may see and know of His incredible love. And the Scripture has been just a great challenge for me to think through again. Who am I becoming, Lord? And help me to recognize that you desire, you long for this broken world to know you more. And somehow in the middle of the whole process, you want to use me to be part of it. And each of us saints. I want to share a a letter that my father sent to me. I get the great privilege, truly, uh, of seeing uh, my mom and dad just reflect Christ everywhere they go. They have grown up into beautiful people, truly. Yeah, they have a lot of flaws still, but they, they've grown up into beautiful people in Christ. And I get the privilege of witnessing that. And so as I was uh, over spring break, I took uh, the family, we all drove out to California and and one of the, the people that uh, my mom and dad had come in contact with was a young uh, Chinese woman. Her name was Fei, uh, was kind of the English translation. And uh, Fei was at Stanford um, for six months working on uh, just her degree, furthering her degree. And uh, so she, for six months, was here at Stanford, or in California at Stanford. And uh, at some encounter, just some random encounter, uh, she ran into my mom and dad. And she just fell in love with them. And vice versa, my mom and dad absolutely fell in love with her. And so I want to read the letter that Faye just sent. And we, again, had uh, to, got to spend a week with her uh, during the Easter time, just as we had lunches and breakfast together. Here's, uh, here's the letter. Papa and Mama, that's what she called them. I can't express in my poor English how much you have given me in the past half year. But I'll remember your sunny smiles and every single meet between us. From the first time at the dinner at Scott's house to our last time at the Martins' home. We lunched and we talked and we watched film. We went to church on Easter. And we spent the very important festivals in such a happy family. It was such leisure and happiness sitting along the beach and eating milkshake with Papa. Thank you, dearest Papa and Mama. Thank you for bringing me such, such many happy times. More important, you led me the way to Jesus, making me know about him and began to make a personal contact with him. And although I'm still at the starting point, I try more to be near him in the future. Actually, your precious personality and the friends around you impressed me so much, and they made me think more and more about Jesus and that he can change our lives. Papa, when I told you the change in thoughts on my way back from the Martins that afternoon, this is Easter Sunday, in fact, your excitement about her coming to Christ, that's what she's saying, was beyond my imagining. I told you something that had been changed in my heart, but did not realize 
it was kind of a newborn. I also didn't imagine the tears that fell down all the way upon you, even into the next morning. Just like Mama said, when we had dinner on Christmas, maybe it was all arranged by God. Just maybe. And so I raise a question for all of us in the last days. How are we showing the love of Christ? What does our day contain? When we wake up in the morning, what are our thoughts about? How are we pouring out God's love who lives in us into a world that is longing to know? Faye raised up communism, China. Nothing to do with God. And so for all of us, again, how are we loving with the love of Christ in these last days? The Scripture begins and says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. It doesn't say, it doesn't say don't be in debt. We, we all you know, live in this community and this, this society that has debt. We have mortgage payments and things of that nature. But it says be ones really who respond to debt. Don't owe each other. If there is a payment due, pay it. If there's like the chapter before, if there's taxes due, pay your taxes. Hope you guys got that done. And it's about this idea of this relationship again. The big picture here is how is it that we are showing God's love to this world? How are we reflecting the image of Christ to the world? His character, his amazing love that, you know, again, we just amazing. I'm amazed by you. Are people, when they encounter us, becoming amazed by who he is? because of his life through us. And so when we live out the character of Christ, one of the things that, that does damage to the name of Christ is, is that we don't pay our debt. And I think it's a call to become, again, people of integrity, people who let their yes be yes and their no be no. To really think about, if you're about to make a financial decision, the cost of that. Can I really pay my payment? Truly. And the other thing I think, again, when you go, how is it that I can love best? What we come to find with debt is that debt really binds us up, doesn't it? What happens when we are in debt is we are unable to, to bless others, aren't we? We realize we've got a payment that's coming in, and we need to pay it. And at the same time, we want, to, we want to either go ourselves to go serve the Lord, maybe go to Indonesia or to Guatemala or wherever. Or maybe we want to send, and it's a desire of our heart, but then we go, oh, I'm enslaved to this debt. And so in the context of love, say, don't owe man anything. I want you to be freed up to love. I want you to be freed up to use your life. I want you to be freed up to have the wonderful, as you listen to the Spirit, to go, ah, I can go do this, and God, the money that you gave me, I can use to bless many and show your love. That's why we should owe no man anything. Be responsible 
reflect the character of Christ, pay your bills, be people of integrity, so that Christ's love is pouring out in this world who is being ripped off all the time and people are cheating the system and, and they see that you're different because Christ has changed your life as he has mine. He says, I want you to owe nothing but the debt to love one another. <clears throat> For he who loves his fellow man or his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Well, what is the debt of love? What does that look like? What's he calling us to? Why do we have a debt of love? I think the wonderful reality of that is that Christ has just poured out his love into us, right? His amazing grace. He paid the price on the cross for us. <clears throat> the scriptures remind us that we are no longer our own. We are bought with a price. We belong to him because of the payment made for us. And so what do we owe? We owe obedience to him and, and, and we owe our lives to him. And so what he asks of us, what he commands us, love the Lord your God and, and love your neighbor. I want you to express our love relationship. I want to live out through you into this world. I want you to owe the debt of love. You know, sometimes if you think about it, you go, can we ever pay it off? Can we ever just say, oh, I've loved too much? I'm done for the day. And we all know the answer is no. So there's always the debt of love. And I like the idea of thinking of a debt because you ever owe a guy or a gal a few bucks and then you run into him like Christmas party or something like that? And you see him across the hall and you're like, ah, I owe them a little money. And it kind of just sticks with you. I think that's kind of the idea that when we encounter one another, that we go, ah, but more out of the joy of the Lord, I owe the debt of love. Agape love, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can't do it on your own. We can't muster up enough to try to be loving. We say, Father, I just want to be, I want to reflect you, I want to love because you love me, help me through your Spirit, Give me, give me your heart towards this person. We have this wonderful debt of love that we can give. Again, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. So what is love? Look at this passage. He's talking again about what it means to pour out. Again, the, the Romans 1 through 11, just give you a big picture. Romans 1 through 11 is this incredible doctrine of faith. And truly, I think, trying to get us at this, this realization of our identity in Christ, right? We're no longer slaves to sin. We're children of God. Christ dwells within us. Our identity is in the eternal. Is that we are beautiful, forgiven, washed, clean, wonderful children to God. It's covered. That's who we are in the eternal. And Christ again now dwells within us and to live out our life, new covenant, 
I'm not competent to do anything of my own, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. My competency comes only from God. I can't do it. That's our identity. It's, I, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's really Romans 1 through 11. A reminder of who we are, justified by faith. As we get into chapter 12 and on, it's really like, okay, now that we recognize who we are and that Christ is, is living his life through us, what does that look like? How do I actually do that? What does it mean to, to live this out? And so he's giving us that in these chapters. But the biggest call is to love each other. Agape love, self-sacrificial love. And so he gives us the commandments in the middle of this context. Do not commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Don't steal. Do not covet. Whatever, whatever other commandment there may be, they're summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. His point here is not about do not do these things. It's not, you know, let's live under legalism and, and, and so make sure you follow the rules. That's not what he's getting at. Again, context is if we are followers of Christ who are obedient to him and in submission to Jesus, as we in the morning wake up and say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Lord, fill me with your spirit. He says, love covers all this. You won't do harm to your neighbor. You won't go against them. It's not that just obedience to the law, but it's that when you start to live out the life of Christ, you won't do these things. Not only will you not be able to just say, you know, again, we say, well, good, I didn't murder today. It's not only that, right? But it's all that I value life. And so he lays out some commandments. And as you look at these commandments, they're the ones that deal with relationship with one another, aren't they? Don't commit adultery. Because love values the covenant of marriage. You don't just say, I didn't do it, but you say, oh, Father, it was kind of cool this morning. And I was I woke up before Kina gets up, and you guys ever do this, where you just kind of look at your wife asleep in bed, peaceful at rest. You just go, man, thank you, Lord. What a beautiful wife I have. That you would give that to me. It's not that I didn't commit adultery. It's that I value the gift of my wife. And guys, if you don't do that, do it. Just watch your bride. You might freak her out when she startles awake. <laughs> do it. Nothing. Just enjoying the wife of my youth. Do you understand? It's a change of mentality. Because love values. What a gift. Love will not violate the marriage vow. That beautiful image, that beautiful image that God gave us in our covenant of marriage of Christ and the church. Love will not destroy that image. See what I'm saying? Again, it's not about I didn't murder, but it's, it's about saying, oh, life is so beautiful and valuable. 
I just uh, went to the hospital uh, last week. This beautiful little girl was born. Her name was Kayla Drescher. Kayla Grace Drescher. All six pounds of her. And as I held her, and again, you know, just this, you forget, as, our, as your children grow, right, you just forget the tininess, the beautiful. And you go, ah, oh, this, this gift of life that God knit together exactly the way he wanted to have beautiful Kayla. And, you know, as I watched Jeremy and Bonnie and their delight in Kayla, you go, yeah, but don't miss, don't miss God's absolute, incredible, just overwhelming delight and love for his creation. That's why love doesn't violate and take away life. Because God is so pleased with his creation. Love won't do that. Love doesn't steal. It provides for those in need. Love doesn't covet. It doesn't spend all its time thinking about, I want to have what they have, and I want more, and I want to have more power so that if I attain these things. But it thinks about how to serve your neighbor. Do you see the difference? And so you say, love covers all these things. Love doesn't do harm. It loves as you love yourself. And as you love yourself, it's, it's, it's real, it's sincere love is the idea it's getting at. You're not faking yourself out when you love yourself. So when you're loving your others as yourself, you're going, I'm being sincere. It's, it's honest real. And as we know about, we, we, we take care of ourselves. We look after ourselves. And so love in such a way that you are thinking of others. Thinking about how you can serve them and love them. That beautiful imagery of Christ with his disciples in the upper room. And he showed them the full extent of his love and then he started to wash their feet got them ready for the fact that he was going to go on the cross. That's what love does. Oh, what an incredible world we would have if we would live these things out. And you know what, dear Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be the ones. How, how are people going to know what love is or how to love if we aren't the ones demonstrating that, again, only through the power of the Spirit, not man-made, not trying to muster it up, but serving our neighbors, caring for those around us, being reminded of the debt we have, we have to be the ones to demonstrate, well, Christ loved me, and so I'm, sh I'm showing his love. Well, this is the way that Christ lived out his life, and so I show that as well. And so we live out the, the love of Christ. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand something. I have filled you with my spirit. 
It's good that I go so that the Spirit comes into you and lives out life through you, Jesus says, right? I need to take off because greater things are going to happen through the Spirit. You watch. And then we have Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, and 3,000 come to know Jesus. And then because of their love for each other, everybody's standing at the windows going, how do I get in? I want part of that. Because of how they loved each other. They didn't do this big evangelistic crusade. They loved each other. And so he's saying, listen, it's the last days, so wake up! Good, Adrienne, I knew you were tired. (laughs) (laughs) It's a call, truly. Get out of your slumber. Realize what the day is about. It is that idea of this, this alarm clock going off. You know, I, I, uh, yesterday morning, I, at our schedule for our, our uh, pastor's retreat, I read the schedule wrong, so I was like a half hour behind in my thinking. And so I get startled out of bed, pounding on the door, but this man, Brian Grant, <laughs> Richie, get out of bed! Boy, what it's like to get waken up by this guy. Kay is a beautiful woman. Amazing. (laughs) Put up with that. But I woke up because the day had come. The day had come. And it's time to realize that the day is at hand, that night has passed. The day of salvation. He's saying your salvation is near. What does that mean? That that means the, the resurrection. Christ is resurrected, but he's coming back. Don't forget that part of it. And don't forget there are people like Faye who've never heard and all of a sudden they come in contact with Christ and her heart is tender and ready and so now she too will be part of that resurrection and we'll get to see Faye in heaven. And so wake up. I think it's just a reminder of the value of the day. I had lunch with a dear brother the other day and, and his uncle had just died. He's really close with his uncle and so it was real painful for him. And uh, his heart grieved deeply. <clears throat> As I talked with my brother, he was saying, you know, my, my grandmother died a little while ago and, and with my grandmother, um, you know... She, she was kind of, we knew she was going to die. We had time to, to share and to reflect and to, to be with her. And, and when the day came, we were, we were ready. But with my uncle, he just had a brain aneurysm and boom, gone. And so I, there were so many things I wanted to be able to, I just wanted to spend more time with him. I wanted to share things with them. And I think that's the idea, isn't it? Just like that, Christ will return. We sang a lot of songs this morning about the trumpets are going to blare. He is coming. Be ready. Be prepared. Use your life to live out the love of Christ. The day is valuable. Many of us have had wake-up calls like that. Maybe we've had cancer and all of a sudden you go, whoa, 
Life is valuable. We end up in some form of trouble and we realize what's going on. And so how do we live in the last days? The Scriptures are saying, know the time and wake up because it's now. It has arrived. The daylight is here. And so as God lives His life out through you, as Christ lives through you, when you get up in the morning and say, God, I know that the time is now. So Lord, where do you want to use me? Show me where you want my life. 1 Peter 4 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, be self-controlled so that you can pray. That's one of the things we do in the end times. We are devoted to listening to our Father and, and being in relationship. It says, above all, love each other deeply. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality. That means be a lover of strangers. Be a lover of strangers. Don't just, you know, I clean up the house so my friends could come over. I clean up the house so that I can invite just random people to come and enjoy and see the life of Christ as we live life. Be a lover of strangers in these end times. Each one of you should use whatever gift God has given you and received. Wake up and use your life for the kingdom work that God has. Again, only in his life, only through his power. He says, listen, I want you to live this life out, so it's time to shape up. Get your spiritual life in order so that God can use you to love others. A lot of us don't like to exercise. We don't want to get prepared. We don't want to shape up. Someone said, if, if God wanted me to touch my toes, He would have put them up higher on my body. <laughs> right here. That would be a good thing. The day is at hand, so shape up. Because God has His power, Colossians 1.27, here's the mystery The great mystery is that Christ is in you. He is our hope of glory. Again, we don't shape up in our own strength. Stop trying to do it. Stop trying to muster it up. But Lord, I want to be more like you. Lord, I want to live out your love. Lord, help me. Lord, when I lack faith, give me faith. We keep just trying to do, do, do. And a lot of what we talked about this weekend as pastors is like, what about our being? We want to be. We want to be in Christ, and we know that Christ is in us. We want to remain in Him, that He is our life. And so he says, listen, I want you to lay aside, actually, literally, I want you to cast aside, and the image is clothing. I mean, picture, it's like if this jacket's on fire, and, and we just, we got to, he's not like, just listen, and gently fold it. And, and, no, it's this, get rid of it. Don't waste your life with this stuff that is bringing you deeper, deeper into the pit and you're going into death versus the life that I've planned out for you. So cast it off, the deeds of darkness. Those things in which the enemy, in which our flesh, we wage war, and that's the idea, right? Cast off these things that, that hold you down, these things that, again, separate you out from Christ. At the end of this chapter, it says, I don't want you to make any provision. I don't... I don't, don't open the window a crack. I always tell young couples in love, 
I'm like, listen, you guys. You guys cannot. You guys cannot be hanging out at each other's apartments late into the evening. It's foolish. You make a provision for evil. You're created to be together intimately. That's how God made you. And man, if you do not like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife, if you don't gird up your loins and run, you are in trouble. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Seek out counsel. Lord, how do I love this person that you've given me? And love would say, I honor you. I honor your body. Your body doesn't belong to me yet. Love would say, the Lord has said, he's given us this beautiful, wonderful thing of our sexuality, and he applauds in our marriage when we enjoy each other that way. In our marriage. Live life. Get rid of it. So that you can live out love. Make no provision for evil but live in a life of love. So we set boundaries. He says in the last days, I want you to live, I don't want you to live for endless good times, this orgies and your sexuality and always seeking after that, your own pleasure. Don't live for that, but live focused on love. Lewis has that great quote, which I know many of you have heard, but I just love it. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot even imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. He's saying, don't be pleased with mud pies. Throw those mud pies out. God has holiday at sea for your life. A life just full of abundance in Him. To live out love and to rejoice in Him. So cast these things off and put on the armor or the weapons of light. And I like the illustration. It's not just put on clothing and another set of clothing of light, but put on the armor of light. That we're in a battle. It's put on new clothing that is weapons and light which reveals truth. Light, which shows us the way. Light, which shows us how we're meant to love. And then he finishes up, instead of these things, I want you to be clothed in Christ. The Scriptures always speak about the robing, the clothing of Jesus. I want you to be robed in Him. What does it mean to dress up to be clothed in Christ? It's kind of a Christianese term, isn't it? But I think it's to believe again in who we are in Christ. Children, sons and daughters who belong to Him. We have to believe. We have to have faith. Believe that He died and rose again, that our mind is set on these things. We're clothed in who He is in our lives. His identity We are to put on the mind of Christ, remember? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Clothed in Him. Knowing His will for our lives. To have that armor, the weapons. To be clothed in means that we submit to His will. We listen to His Spirit 
We abide in the vine, clothed in receiving the life source of the vine, John 15. We're clothed and robed in righteousness. Put on, dress up in Christ. Do you remember in Acts 4.13, they, they saw Peter and John, they go, man, these guys are, are just ordinary guys. And the, and the statement in Acts 4.13 is, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We dress up. We are robed and covered like the prodigal son coming in and the father places his robe on him, his identity, that all is forgiven. And when you face the crowds that mock you, you are covered, dear son, in my robe of forgiveness and acceptance. Be clothed in that forgiveness and acceptance and life of Christ and your identity in him. And so we wake up into these last days putting on Christ and living out the love of him. Amen? My dear brother, Brian, who leads us in our missions, longs to bring us to a place where we're able to live out the life in, in serving God in mission. He's going to share with us just to, again, what God's been doing and as he leads us. So, Brian, come on up and share with us. Well, one of the... Uh one of the main applications that uh, Rod's led us in this morning is that the time is short. We do need to use our time wisely and clothed in Christ. We are called to show the love of Christ to a lost and a broken world. And you know, at Cole, we do take this calling seriously. It's, uh, it's something we see in Scripture as a clear call to a life of actively sharing the gospel with a lost world through our words, and through our deeds. And so for years, we've, we've really had a focus here on responding to Jesus' call to the Great Commission through uh, Cole's missions ministry. We do that not by hiring a large staff of, of uh, pastors and administrators, but we do it by mobilizing many of you and our church family to do the work in your free time. We're committed to the biblical concept of equipping the saints for the work of the gospel. And since an orientation towards missions and outreach is a basic element of the gospel, missions is one of those ministries of our church, like prayer, worship, disciple-making, that should be woven into absolutely everything that we do in our church. So at Cole, we see missions and outreach as a cooperative effort of our entire church family, with each of you contributing according to your individual gifting and God's call. And so for most of you, it's going to mean integrating a missions orientation into whatever ministry God has called you to and partnering with those who go. But for some of us, the calling is to make missions and outreach a central focus of our lives. So I'd like to share with you a few ideas of what this could look like in practice for you. Okay? There are basically three main avenues uh, you can think of for outreach ministry here at Cole, and they include first by supporting our field staff and our missionaries. There's various ways that can look. Secondly, by going yourself as a short-term missionary or by sending, helping send those who go. And then thirdly, by getting involved with local outreach ministry right here in the Treasure Valley. I'll give you some ideas of what that looks like specifically. So with our uh, long-term missions program, uh, you can become a committed prayer warrior and support one or two or all 15 of our, our full-time field staff and missionaries in prayer. 
You know, we have daily prayer points in the bulletin every single week. And, and many of our field staff and missionaries send out email updates so you can be praying for them on an ongoing basis for events they're, they're wrestling with. And many of our field staff and missionaries are currently in need of additional financial partners right now. The dollar's weak. People are having a hard time surviving overseas on U.S. dollars. So uh, partnering with our field staff and missionaries right now financially is a great way to get involved. Or you could consider joining a senders team. These are teams of volunteers who meet on a semi-regular basis to pray for our missionaries, to uh, provide moral support, logistical support for them. We also provide opportunities for you to get involved in frontline missions by sending out short-term mission teams every year. And in each case, we seek to send out teams of workers to assist our long-term missionaries to achieve their strategic ministry goals. In most cases, most of these teams go out to to work with our own missionaries. So as an example, many of you will remember last November we sent out a a team, a medical team, to assist Alan Matamoros' church planting teams in Senegal, North Africa. Well, next month in May, Alan's planning to fly here to Boise, to meet with us and talk about other ways that we could partner with his, uh, his church planting teams in Muslim North Africa. There may be some great opportunities in the f- future for many of us to be involved in projects such as additional medical teams or construction projects, water projects, and other humanitarian efforts. It's, it's exciting to see what that might look like. And this summer, as, as Rod's already alluded to, we have teams, short-term teams going to Guatemala, Indonesia, and the Philippines. In each case, they're going to be partnering with long-term missionaries to build God's kingdom in those countries. We have an opportunity to be a part of all this. So there are opportunities for you to get involved with the Great Commission through the short-term missions ministry, either by going yourself or by partnering with those who go. Our goal in short-term missions is that this truly becomes a ministry of our entire church family. That's our, that's our heart, is that every one of us get involved. Some of us going out each year, and many of us remaining behind and supporting, being senders of those who go. Well, there's another way uh, we really could use some help with our short-term effort. We have a large team of people who uh, are involved year-round behind the scenes to recruit train, send, and, and coordinate this, this large and complex short-term program. We need a lot of help. And uh, right now we have an urgent need for additional people to step in and work with us. We, uh, we really are praying that God will raise some people up out of our body to step in and help us, this ministry. Well, then in addition to our uh, missions opportunities around the world, we, we're always uh, encouraging, seeking to encourage you to get involved in local outreach opportunities around the Treasure Valley. You know, there's a, a great number of opportunities that exist right here in the valley, and I know many of you are already plugged in with that, and that's, it's exciting to see that. Um, just to name a couple, there's Boise Rescue Mission, City Light, Chrysalis, Young Life, Refugee Work Through World Relief, to name just a few. Uh, closer to home, Bob and Bill Balotton, they're over here someplace, are... Uh, Involved in, in heading up or leading a, an outreach ministry to international students at BSU. And they'd welcome additional partners to help them with that. They've seen, seen some people like uh, Faye come to the Lord through that work. 
Mark Van Skyver has plans to start up a, a, a new outreach ministry to help newly arrived African immigrants to get plugged in and, and settled in this community. He's going to need a lot of help once that gets going. Or you could pray about being a part of uh, starting up a, a, a Bible study to reach out to some of your unchurched neighbors or coworkers. That's actually how Kay and I came to the Lord some 30 plus years ago. So that's just a, a few. There's an infinite number of ways you could get involved, but that's just a few of them. And uh, I want to mention in the bulletin, there's a, a feature in there that lists some of the current opportunities and needs that we have. So look at that, pray about it. And if you're interested in more details, please give me a call. I'd, I'd love to talk with you. And so do please uh, pray about what I've shared here. And if God seems to be nudging you towards any of the opportunities I've mentioned, Follow wherever God leads you in that. And as you do, I can promise that he'll stretch you in your faith and you'll begin to experience a new sense of purpose along with an inner joy as you respond, as you begin to see God using you to bring life to a lost and broken world, to lives that need the Lord Jesus, both here and around the world. Okay? So Ron, finish this up. That's Brian pounding on the door. Let's get going. No, we need that. You know, we need God as, again, the end of all things is at hand, so use, use whatever gifts God has given you to build up the body of Christ. Use your life to express, again, God's love. And as we obviously go out and as we serve, it's loving. We're loving each other. Whether we're loving in the preparation or we're loving as we go out into the field, and so I really want to encourage you to, to sit with Brian and the committee and, and just say, hey, how can God use me? Obviously, we're seeking God's heart, saying, Lord, show me. Show me what you have for me. And uh, that's part of waking up. Waking up is saying, Father, reveal to me uh, what you have for my life. Let me just uh, send you off with these scriptures out of Colossians about our identity in Christ and who we are. Colossians 3. Since then that you have been raised with Christ. That's the clothing to remember that. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Because see, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's who you are. Placed into Christ. Christ in you. And when Christ, who is your life, do you believe that? And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then guess what? We will also appear with him in glory. That's the good news. And so therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's who you are, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive each other. Do we need to do that today? That you may not have anything against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all of these virtues, again, put on, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen? All right, go and pay up.
the debt of love. God bless you guys.